निरंजनमुकृतविग्रह वै ईशावतारम परमेशमिड्यम तं रामकृष्ण शिसानम जननी सारदा देवी रामकृष्ण जगद्गु पादपद्मीतोस्रवा प्रणमा मुहुर्मुहु नमस्तिराजा विवेकानंदसूर सच्चिदुखस्वूपा स्वामी तापहारिणी so we were studying the 6th chapter of swami vivekananda's karma yoga that non attachment is complete self abnegation so that's the idea which has been reiterated again and again presented in various ways by swami vivekananda which is one of the basic teachings of sri ramakrishna that when someone asks sri ramakrishna when shall i be free his immediate answer was when i that i within the inverted commas when i cease to be when shall i be free when i cease to be that sense of this limited individuality alone is the cause of our ignorance of our bondage that's the ignorance and that from that ignorance all the bondages all the dualities in life that emanates from that ignorance to get rid of that i is the only spiritual practice the ways may be different the methods may be different but all if if you if you just ask that is there any commonality in all the religions that's the commonality everywhere we want to get rid of this limited sense of individuality so get rid of this selfish ego in english the word sin if you just take the alphabets i is the core of the word sin s i n the word i is between s and n so the core of sin is i whether you take it just literally or in the spiritual sense the core of sin is i the more i can get rid of this in sense of limited individuality from which all selfishness emanates i am free the atman immediately realizes it is nothing but brahman that's the basic idea in vedanta that atman and brahman are the same are identical when i am diseased when my consciousness is localized then i have this limited sense of individuality that my amness is as if localized here that gives a sense of atman that the the conscious principle which is actually activating my body mind senses is something localized here that's what i see i think i feel i visualize and that's the ignorance that's the state of disease when you go beyond that when you go beyond the mind that locality falls off then atman becomes brahman the word brahman comes from came from brih dhatu brih means brihat that which is beyond all locality that which is all pervasive that which is omnipresent omniscient so that i the moment you go to that realization the sense of individuality falls off but the amness still remains it's not that we become something like an inert object that as if the consciousness is an epiphenomenon sometimes science is to say that the world of this matter and energy is the real existence somehow because of the conglomeration of the matter the consciousness has came out it's just an epiphenomenon it's not a phenomenon 
But now science itself has started finding out that consciousness alone is the only existence. The so-called tangible reality is the epiphenomenon. So that's the thing which is Vedanta indicating that when you go to that realization, that amna still remains, but it loses its locality. In all the religions, if you study the experiences of the mystics, that's the idea which is again and again re-established, reiterated. That the sense of this limited amnes falls off. You become as if one with that absolute reality. And that's the thing Swamiji is indicating in this chapter. The title itself indicates that, that we have to be non-attached from this psychophysical this existence. And that actually entails in self-abnegation. You are as if killing your own sense or this so-called this sense of individuality. So it is not just a physical suicide. It is a suicide. You're killing your this wrong awareness of your this limited sense of individuality. It's not for annihilation. It's to get established in your real self. So that's self-abnegation. This abnegation of this so-called limited individuality so that you get established in your real self. So now let us continue with the text uh, before we complete this chapter. So it is sheer nonsense on the part of any man to think that he is born to help the world. It is simply pride, it is selfishness insinuating itself in the form of virtue. So this is the idea which Swamiji is relating with selfishness. We sometimes think, we sometimes think that, that I am a quite important person in my family, in my society. Without me, so many things cannot happen. My presence is required. My involvement is required. The day I die, does the world stop? Nothing stops. Everything continues. So that's the, actually that the idea that, with, that so many people are dependent on me. And with that, I have somehow nurtured the idea of seva, of service. Actually, I'm serving the world. I'm so important that without me, so many things will, be, will be just stop. So Swamiji is saying it is also a selfishness insinuating in the form of virtue. Does the world really stop? Nothing. It is our karma which gravitates us to a particular circumstances in life. Suppose you take a student who throughout his life was studying hard and he had an ambition to get admitted in some say medical college. And after his 12th standard exam, he got sufficient grades. He qualified to be a medical student. He goes to the medical college. Now, similarly, some according to the karma is there as the professor. So that's the environment there. Some because of their karma is a student. Some because of their karma is the professor. Students are after a professor because he's so learned, so well versed in the medical science. Not only that, the way he deliberates the subject, the students are all almost crazy after him. He has become a fan of the teacher. And the professor starts thinking that I play a very great, important role in this entire, this medical, in this college setup. And suppose for some reason he has to retire or he dies or because of some accident or has to retire or has to be transferred to some other college. Will the activity stop there? No. Someone is going to replace him. The activities will go on. There are so many waiting of same caliber, of same skill to replace me. So when I am playing a role in the society, instead of having the idea of importance, the idea should be of humility. What's the humility? Not pride, it's the humility. That there are many, there are many who could have played the same role. I am somehow privileged. 
I am somehow lucky that I am getting the opportunity to play my part, my role here, and that way evolve. It's not that the world is help. It is I who am privileged that I have been given this opportunity. And through this opportunity, if I take it with a proper sense, I evolve spiritually with the help of service. It's not that without me, the world stops. There are so many who can take the same role, but somehow the divine has grazed me by keeping me in this situation to take care of certain activities. And through that, through that yajna in the Bhagavad Gita, the concept of yajna comes again and again. Sahayajna prajasrishtva puravacha prajapati anena vishavadhyam esha tishtastu kramadhup that that's the, the idea that he has created this world with a sense of yajna, with a sense of interdependence. So that he, it is his compassion, it is his love, which is working through us. We are just the channel. It is not that it is we who love. It is we who have compassion. It is we who have empathy. If I really judge myself, if I dive within myself and try to see that is it my credit when someone I see suffering and that love comes out, that sense of empathy comes out, you will find that I am born in such a way. I am built up in such a way. I need not have to be trained in empathy. It just is spontaneous. It comes out. Why should I feel credit for it? I am inbuilt. That so-called the altruistic gene is inbuilt in me. It is there. I have to feel compassionate. So as if I'm just a channel through which some higher purpose of life is working. I'm just a channel. I'm not the doer. So I am happy that I have been selected as the channel. That's why when Swami Vivekananda returned from the West and there was a lot of applauses everywhere that you have actually done a great thing. Then again and again, Swamiji's in this, what he's saying is very interesting. That if my Guru Ramakrishna wants, he can create hundreds of Vivekananda. It's not me. It is he. He can create hundreds. But somehow, this time, he thought to do all those activities through me. I'm just privileged. So that's the humility which is being spoken of here in this sentence, which actually is the thing we have to inculcate in our day-to-day life. If you want to spiritualize our day-to-day life, that's we can never compartmentalize the spiritual life from the secular. It's impossible. That way, the spirituality becomes just a part-time affair. That when I am worshipping, when I am meditating, then I am spiritual, rest of the time I am secular. It cannot be. That is required. Meditation is required. Our worship is required. Prayer is required. But it should reflect in our day-to-day life in each and every activity. And then only spirituality can become 24 by 7 affair. And that speaks of the proper attitude. When I'm in my meditation, when I'm in my prayers, when I'm worshipping, of course, I'm totally cut off from the world. I'm as if communing with the divine. But it shouldn't stop there. When I move out, the attitude should be such that the worship goes on, continues in all my activities. And for that, I have to be always ingrained in the truth. The truth is that I am just a channel. I'm just made up in such a way. I've been built in such a way. I have been placed in such a circumstances that the roles which I'm playing, I'm bound to play. It's not something of my credit. And that's why Swamiji, again, we read the sentence, this very important sentence is saying, it is sheer nonsense on the part of any man to think that he's born to help the world. It is simply pride, it is selfishness insinuating itself in the form of virtue. When we have trained our mind and and your nerves to realize this truth of the world's non-dependence on you or on anybody, there will then be no reaction in the form of pain resulting from work. When you give something to a man, and expect nothing. Do not even expect the man to be grateful. His ingratitude will not tell upon you. 
because you never expected anything never thought you had any right to anything in the way of a return so this is the very spiritual thing we are the swamiji is saying that generally we move out in the world with the idea that yes if i help others in some way they will help me and there are situations there are situations in life when we find that people are as if ungrateful there's a sense of there is ingratitude and it it's something very common it happens again and again there's a very funny story in the life of ishwar chandra vidyasagar the vidyasagar the great reformer of bengal who stopped so many of this evil practices in the name of religion we need not go into the details he was a very uh, important person in the history in the renaissance of this this bengal the state of india and there we find that vidyasagar he was also called this karuna sagar he was a man of compassion he was as even ocean of compassion he reached out to help people in so many ways so many people were helped by him and such a person one day was praised by someone uh, sorry he was uh, someone was uh, insulting him for some for no reason he was insulting him then immediately vidyasagar's reaction was wonderful well sir why are you just you abusing me in such all this coarse language have i done anything uh, good for you have i helped you in any way so that was the thing which vidyasagar was replying reacting because that was his uh, experience in life that he reached out to help people in so many ways in return it was always in gratitude it's a common human weakness no one wants to say that i am what in my life is because of the help which i got somehow we always want to say it is my own capability it is my own credit you might have given me some money but it was my intelligence so somehow we find always that sense of ingratitude is there people don't accept the help they get it's again the problem of the person who is having that sense of ingratitude it's not mine he has to yet to evolve but why should i feel that sense of suffering for it it speaks i had that expectation i i may say i have done everything selflessly at least a few kind words he should have told that alone itself is this an expectation not even that kind words i should expect if i have to help others they say in a very colloquial bengali there is a proverb that when the right hand gives the left hand should not know so that with that type of attitude that even when you are giving that the my intention should be that no one should know if you read the bible we get too much we get we get very much uh, yeah, what you say that uh in what you say this uh, infatuated by the all the miracles jesus is doing oh what holton miracles he is doing he is a great person but his greatness is not in the miracles after each and every miracle he is saying don't say it to anyone i have helped you don't say it to anyone so there lies the humility just you see every if you read the bible everywhere i feel the greatness that we feel the greatness is there not in the miracle that this after reaching out helping the people he always wants to be unknown but you cannot when the flame is lighted you cannot keep it under the shed it is bound to give its light so that's the thing that which swami ji is saying here that when we have trained your mind you have to, you have to train and your nerves to realize this idea of world's non dependence on you or on anybody there will then be no reaction in the form of pain resulting from work when you give something to a man and expect nothing do not even expect the man to be grateful his ingratitude will not tell upon you because you never expected anything and never thought you had any right to anything in the way of return 
this is this humanity is everywhere whether you are a bhakta or a gyani in chaitanya mahaprabhu's life also in shikshashtakam that's that one that paragraph is very important of the six stanzas the one stanza the strinad api shunichen tarori vashishnu be patient like a tree the tree is there to only give in return we are constantly that assailing the tree in so many ways cutting its branches cutting it using it for as a logwood for our selfish purposes but it was there to give shade to give to give us fruit in return it was only in gratitude it got but it was always patient so mahaprabhu is saying that tarori va shahishtam amanina manadena kirtaniya sadahari says only see the goodness in others and try to respect that that little goodness is the divinity which is finding expression through that person when you are those who there those who are searching the gold you know in the some river bed in the soil in the rock there is gold throughout the day to go on washing the soil from the rock at last to get just a small bit of gold so they are not bothered about what they are washing off they are all dross they are all washing off all those things to get that little gold so when we are dealing with the human being we should deal with that type of attitude that he is after all an important person the divinity is sparking through him all the dross which i see is just a superficial it can easily get washed off i am not bothered about them i am in search of that and try to relate with that person that's the amani na manadena you respect to everyone everyone no one is a when i say person because of stealing i say is a thief it's the biggest lie i say no one is going to be thief through eternity what is going to be eternity is the spirit is the soul this stealing was just a pact just a silly act because of the circumstances of life he has done that doesn't uh, entail him to be a thief through eternity he has stolen that's the only that's the there's the truth that in this institution because of certain circumstances he has stolen certain thing but that doesn't mean he is a thief as if through eternity is going to be thief what he is really is that pure soul the pure spirit that's the reality so amani namana dena kirtaniya sadahari and always praise the lord so this one just two lines speaks of the entire spirituality so everywhere whether you are a bhakta or a gyani this is the real thing in spiritual life to be humble enough to never expect anything in return to always praise the divine knowing well that it is he who is working through you and to be to have that sense of gratitude to the divine that he has allowed you to practice the so called this uh, compassion empathy and evolve yourself the world remains as it is what happens to the world that's that's the business of the lord it's not mine i am quite happy that he is working through me and has given me this chance this privilege to evolve spiritually so he's so, so let us continue with the swamiji's words you gave him what he deserved his own karma got it for him your karma made you the carrier thereof so what swami in this two line is speaking that's why again and again we have to remember that swami vivekananda when he is speaking it's a all extempore speech but in his background is the scriptures he was so thoroughly versed in the scriptures that when he is speaking of some very subtle profound ideas from certain scripture he had that capacity to just present it in one or two sentence what he is saying here is a wonderful concept of karmashaya in yoga sutra if you study there is idea of samskara karmashaya vasana we never have a very clear idea of all those terms we always confuse with each other these all these terms we get confused what actually samskara means what vasana means what karmashaya means it's a wonderful concept what that is karma has two effects when i am doing some action whether it is thought whether it is word or deed even thought is an action it is not lost it remains 
stored in your psyche as latent impressions, as the samskara. And that samskara gets converted into vasana. Very interesting. Thus, all the vasanas are not visible. There are so many vasanas hidden in our psyche. That's one, that is the one way the karma is working in your individual aspect. The moment I do some action, whether it's in the kaik, manasik, vachik, through my words, through my deeds, through my thought, whenever I do an action, immediately that action is, remains as samskara and that samskara gets vasana. It's the individual aspect. There's another aspect of karma. What's that? With each and every karma, I am creating karmashaya, a receptacle, where these vasanas will fructify, will get chance to fructify. To give an example, that if in this life I was very much drawn towards music, I tried my best to develop that uh, skill of singing nicely, but never could never excel because of the lack of proper circumstances. Know it for certain. You see the child prodigies. That the three-year-old child, four-year-old child, children, they are singing so nicely. It's almost unbelievable that how such a small child can sing. So you will find that child has been born in a musician family. But there are so many children. Why his own child, if he would have tried to train all of the children in music, would that musician would have been able to train all of them in the same way? No. In a class, there are so many students. The same teacher is instructing all. Do all of them uh, learn in the same way? No. As per the samskara, I have been drawn towards the circumstances towards in that family where all those, my the samskara to learn music, now it's getting the favorable circumstance to fructify. So ashaya means receptacle. So karma has two effects. One is it is creating sanskara, it is creating vasana. And another effect is it is constantly gravitating us to a circumstance where these vasanas will fructify. So now you will find that what Swamiji is saying is very interesting. You gave him what he deserved. When in a medical college, the professor is teaching the medical students, he can only teach the medical students. He cannot just bring a boy who has not even got the primary education directly to the medical college and give him that same education. Impossible. So the samskaras have brought him, gravitated that students there. So he was giving him what he has deserved. His own karma got it for him. And your karma made you the carrier there. And you also are there teaching there because of your own karma. Your own karma has actually enabled you to gravitate you in that circumstance as the teacher. And you are just doing what your karma has enabled you to do. So why you should say this idea of the samskar and karmashaya, how nicely in just these two, three sentences, Swamiji is summing it up. You gave him what he deserved. His own karma got it for him. Your karma made you the carrier thereof. Why should you be proud of having given away something? You are just the porter that carried the money or other kind of gift. And the world deserved it by its own karma. So this is the idea which Swami Vivekananda will find even in the West when he was there. Again and again, he is this stressing on this idea that you are just the trustee, that the wealth which you have, when someone came and told Swamiji that now uh, I have decided and that I will give away my wealth in charity. And actually Swamiji suggested him that you, that you with, with this wealth, what are you going to do? You should donate. And that day he was very much hurt he told, who are you to suggest me? He was an important person in the society. So he never wanted that someone should suggest him that way. But that words of Swamiji somehow, he couldn't just simply throw them off. He had to think over it. It bothered him. And then he really thought that what I'm going to do with my wealth. And one day he decided that let me really start doing some charity. And when he 
wrote the first check. He brought it to Swami Vivekananda to show, just see that, yes, I'm giving such a huge amount in charity. And then he told, now you should thank me. That, uh, yes, you just suggested that I should donate and now I'm donating, now you should thank me. Swami Vivekananda was totally unperturbed. He never felt that, what you say, a bit uh, cowed down in the presence of such a huge, uh, the big industrialist. Same, same, in the same tone, he told a very interesting thing. Sir, it is you who should thank me. It is not me who should thank you. I used to thank It is you who should thank me. Because this idea that you are just the trustee of your wealth, the wealth is not yours. That's the thing. That's the thing that's like a mantra. That word has entered you. And now it is going to transform your life. So it is you who should thank me. So this is the idea which Swamiji is saying here. Why should you be proud of having given away something? You are the porter that carried the money or other kind of gift. And the world deserved it by its own karma. Where is then the reason of, for pride in you? There is nothing very great in what you give to the world. When you have acquired the feeling of non-attachment, there will then be neither good nor evil for you. Now another sentence Swami is going to say is very interesting. It is only selfishness that causes the difference between good and evil. The so-called good and evil in this world is something which has emanated from selfishness. Nothing is good, nothing is evil. The world is as it is. Every occurrence is just an happening. It is neither good nor bad. How it becomes good and bad? Just take that common example that in our scripture they say that the five klesha, pancha klesha. What are the pancha klesha in Yoga Sutra? The five afflictions, avidya, asmita, raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. From ignorance comes asmita, ego. From that comes Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha. Raga means attachment. Dvesha means hatred. Abhinivesha means clinging to life, which actually in uh, actually speaks of fear of death. What actually speaking of? Just take a small micro. We as a human being, uh, us is such a complicated being, so sophisticated being. Forget about it. Just take a small micro in a petri dish. The teacher says that there are some microbes. I look through the microscope. I don't find any microbe. I just see all randomly moving particles as if moving randomly. The teacher says, no. Yes, there are, of course, a few dust particles. They're moving randomly. But along with them, there are some animate microbes. They're all not inanimate. Now, to prove it, what he does, he puts a drop of nutrient in the center of the Petri dish. And now he asks the students to look through the microscope. Now the students see the, what they observe, that among all those randomly moving particles, few have gathered direction. They're moving towards it. Raga. Is the moment that the Atman, that the self has got identified with that micro body, now it has to sustain that micro body because it thinks it is that micro body. And to sustain, it is drawn towards the nutrient, Raga. If instead of that nutrient, if there was a drop of toxic there, it will be immediately going away from it. Why? It is going to kill me. Dvesha, abhinivesha, this fight and flight response. So now see, even for the microbe, the nutrient is good. The toxin is evil. Anything which results in dvesha and abhinivesha, it is evil. Anything that is resulting in raga, that is good. But from where it has came? From selfishness. For the Atman, nothing is going to kill him. Fire cannot burn. For this air cannot dry it. That's in Bhagavad Gita we are studying. Nothing can affect that. The moment that self gets identified with the body, the question of nurturing the body comes. The question of factors that helping nurturing it comes. The question that deters its growth, that damages its growth, that kills it comes and the question of good and evil comes. Otherwise, nothing is good, nothing is evil. It is just an happening. 
So now just see, because in this each and every sentence, so much of thought is actually involved. So otherwise, when we, sometimes we find no meaning of the sentence, that it is only selfishness that causes the difference between good and evil. The more we can get rid of it, nothing is good, nothing is evil. The world is as it is. And that's the, in all the Purana stories also, sometimes we read the stories and we uh, forget that actually great philosophy is hidden there. When Brahma created the world, Brahma and Brahman is not the same. Brahma is the cosmic mind. When he created the world, that in this world, from this creation of Brahma, when the world was created, seeing that creation, the Shiva was not at all happy. He saw so much of suffering. Everywhere there is suffering. There is death. There is disease. So Shiva, who has the tremendous compassion for all beings, he went to Brahma, he approached Brahma and told that what creation you have done, it is imperfect. So we say our Swamiji is uh, an incarnation of Shiva. So we find that some, uh, as if some similarity to Ramakrishna one day, Naren went and told, Sir, this world, the plan of the universe is devilish. And Naren, how nice that young person, what he's saying, if the responsibility was on me, means this world, the scheme of the universe is devilish. I would have created a better world. That's what Swamiji is saying. That to Ramakrishna. It's almost the language of Shiva. Shiva is going and saying that what you have created, it's all imperfect. Disease, death, everywhere we see evil. One being harming others. Brahma has never replied. He was silent. Not only that, he as if never even gave importance to Shiva. He was as if the Shiva felt he was actually infatuated by his creation. He never gave any attention to him. He was only looking to his own creation. Not only that, as if to show that ego, that ego was so prominent in him, the fifth head, there was already four head with which he was looking to his own creation. The fifth head popped up and Shiva was just at rage. He thought this is just an expression of Brahma's ego. He uprooted the fifth head. So these all myths, sometimes if you read in the language, we will see that cruelty and all. But actually it's the compassion that Brahma's creation is not uh, perfect. And Brahma is not responding to Shiva's remarks. So now Shiva, we find this, is plucking out one of the head. Now very interesting, why this Brahma cannot uh, just uh, even for once close his eyes. He's called Animesha. Now, you know, we, our eyelids are constantly falling. But for Brahma, the eyelid never falls. It is always looking at his creation. If we go to the modern science, they say, unless there is a witness, Everything is a probability. Nothing collapses into reality. So there has to be a witness. The cosmic mind is a witness, which is enabling the probability to collapse into reality. So even in the modern science language, you can relate with these Puranas. So Brahma is witnessing what it is there. He cannot, even for a moment, close his eyes. If he stops witnessing, the, immediately the entire creation ceases to exist. He is animation. So now, that's why he never gave uh, that any, he couldn't divert his attention to Shiva. But when Shiva plucked his head, the, what he replied was something interesting. That why are you at rage? What I have created is neither perfect nor imperfect. It is just as it is. The perfection, in the question of perfection, imperfection comes when you are reacting to that happening. It is your reaction which speaks of good and evil. Otherwise, it is just as it is. This made Shiva think that yes, what he's saying is really has some significance. The world is just an event. The so-called good and evil is a reaction, our reaction. Nothing as such is so-called good and evil. And that made Shiva go into deep contemplation. There are so many words. This, uh, <clears throat> this Purana sometimes are very interesting if you can really uh, relate to those ideas with the philosophy behind it. When, Swami, when Shiva was in deep meditation, 
he forgot that he is the body, he forgot he is the mind. At last, this body, mind, and the projection, the projection of the body, mind is the universe. It is through these senses you see the universe. Everything just as if merged in the void. And that's why that voidness, everything was merged in the void. Nothing was there. Everything was as if taken away. So that's why he shouted, Hara, Hara, Vyom, Vyom. Everything is void. Everything has been merged in Samadhi. Hara means to take away. Vyoma means this. all these things is uh, absent. It is not there. It is only the mind which is projecting. So that's why Hara, Hara, Vyom, Vyom. He just started dancing out of joy. Then what is there? He alone, the Shiva, the principle alone is there. Everything is just a projection of the mind. And after that, having that realization that it is we with our mind who is creating this world and from that the question of good, evil, everything is coming. So it is have to, we have to spiritually transcend that and then we can relate to the world and we can move in this world as a Jivan Mukta. Liberated while living. Nothing can touch me. I need not have to die and then go to heaven. In this world, this world convert, gets converted into heaven the moment my perspective changes. And now Shiva out of compassion became the Dakshinamurti. He came down. Why Dakshinamurti? Because the idea is you have <clears throat> for your sadhana, you have to go to the Himalayas. In India, you have to go to the Himalayas. That's the northwards. You're going to the north. North, going to the north means going to the Himalayas. You are renouncing the society and going for your spiritual quest. Dakshinamurti, you become south face when you have realized. But that realization has not actually totally secluded you. Now the compassion wells up. Oh, people don't know the truth. The truth is so palpable. It is as palpable as a fruit in your hand. It can be realized in this life. People are suffering unnecessarily without knowing it. The treasure they have within, they don't know. And then the compassion wells up. He runs, comes down. That's why he's Dakshinamurti, facing the south. He was supposed to face the north. He actually faced the north to leave the world. Went to the Himalayas, nothing to do with the world. Now the realization from that, the compassion dawns. Now he is again facing the south. He comes down to instruct mankind to that knowledge. So, so that's the thing which we find that, that uh, even in this story, in this Purana story, that it is that we, just as we don't know our real nature, that's why all this suffering. The moment you know that your real nature, the so-called good, evil, everything falls off. So now that it is only selfishness that causes the difference between the good and the evil, it is a very hard thing to understand, but you will come to learn it in time that nothing in the universe has power over you until you allow it to exercise such a power. Nothing has power over the self until the self becomes a fool and loses independence. That's the idea. When the self becomes a fool, that agyana, the ignorance makes it full and it loses independence. It thinks that microbe actually is the, is the Brahman and it's a fool when it thinks it is just a small creature and its independence is gone. It is now a slave of a little nutrient or a little toxic. It has become a slave of it. They decide how it will react to it. All the stimuli response conditioning is the product of the ignorance. So that's why the self becomes a fool and loses its independence. So by non-attachment, so what's the way out? Even some of the, as Swamiji indicated that some of the religions sometimes fill. He meant, he mentioned that the Jains, that this body after all has to go off. And sometimes they take prayopavashana. Without taking food, they will be killing. But the real self-abnegation is not the killing of this body. It is a non-attachment. To give a common example, when the fan is rotating, just by trying to forcefully hold, get hold of the blade and stop it, is just like deliberately killing the body. I, I, can I stop the fan that way? As long as I hold it, somehow it will be 
just uh, stable. It won't be revolving. The moment I leave, my hand has been totally bruised because of that deliberate act, but the fan again starts revolving. Why? Because the force behind it is still there. It is not just stopping the body from its flow that can enable you the liberation. To stop the fan, the only way is switch it off. Does it stop immediately? No. It goes on revolving till it loses its momentum. And then it won't revolve again once you switch it off. So non-attachment is switching off. I cannot deliberately stop the life. It has a past impulse. Even if I stop it, the past impulse is still that. That will force me again to take birth. I cannot stop it that way. It is just like trying to stop something moving forcefully with your hand and you damage yourself. Nothing else happened. It goes on revolving again. Switch off. That all the things of behind all the actions, I am not the doer. I am not the enjoyer. I am not the karta. I am not the bhokta. I'm just a channel through which everything is happening. Seek not, avoid not. With that attitude, go on. Taking care of responsibilities with total detachment. Don't stop the activities, but with detachment, just continue with your life. Always be aware of the divine and be detached. And let the body-mind flow as it is flowing. In this, I cannot simply stop it. So you have switched off. Your past, the impulse, will force your body to continue for some time. But now it will be expended, all the air, this, all the energy which actually resulted in its flow, that gets expended and now it falls off forever, never to come back again. So that's why non-attachment is a real self-abnegation, not just killing of the body. It is a non-attachment. That's the real self-abnegation. So that's why Swamiji is saying that, that so by non-attachment, you overcome and deny the power of anything to act upon you. Otherwise, you will be acted upon again and again. Even if I just kill the body, again I have to be born. The past momentum is still there. The only thing is that through non-attachment, I have to expend out all the impulse which has, in, which has actually forced me into this chain of flow in the form of body-mind senses. It is very easy to say, that nothing has the right to act upon you until you allow it to do so. But what is the true sign of the man who really does not allow anything to work upon him, who is neither happy nor unhappy when acted upon by the external world? The sign is that good or ill fortune causes no change in his mind. In all conditions, he continues to remain the same. So this is very important. That yes, when we are discussing all this thing, intellectually, immediately, we, we also get convinced that after all, why to get attached with life? We all know it is not going to be there forever. Life is just a bridge and we never can think of building a house on the bridge. It is just to traverse. It is just to travel. It is just to take me to the other shore. All our suffering comes because we are trying to build a house on the bridge. Intellectually, we will understand, but it's not that easy. In our day-to-day -day life, even after uh, reading, hearing lectures on Vedanta, in our day-to-day -day life, we find that from nowhere, the ego comes into picture. Our attachment is the result after that, what that ensues from it. And we do suffer. The knowledge of Vedanta falls off. The story of Swami Vivekananda I remind, it reminds me of the story of the Swami Vivekananda, the story of the stag. The stag, the male deer, very muscular, was one day seeing its own reflection and was bragging. The fawn, the young one was there. It was bragging, see how strong I am. My limbs are so muscular. It was as if very proud of himself. And then from nowhere, the stag even didn't see the dog. It just heard the barking. And it started running frantically. It ran and ran and it was totally exhausted. After a long distance, it stopped. When it thought that it is safe, it stopped. The fawn also ran after it. 
The fawn was also exhausted, but now the fawn was surprised. It asked the stag, just now you were so confident about your strength. What happened to it? What happened to your confidence? And then the stag replied, I don't know what happens to my confidence <clears throat> the moment I hear the barking of the dog. And that's what happens with us. We like the stag after hearing Vedanta are so confident to face the world with this principle. And then we find we again and again falter. It's not that easy. That's what Swami is saying. It is very easy to say that nothing has the right to act upon you until you allow it to do so. It is easy. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say very nicely, Tablar bol mukhe bola shahoj hate anakotin. When you are, for the first time, you are learning to play the tabla, the percussion. And the teacher first tells you the rhyme. Some say that rhyme is ta dhinna dha dhinna ta terekete dha terekete. He just repeats the rhyme. And he asks, repeat after me. It just takes one minute. You memorize it, you start repeating it. And now he say, bring it in your hand. Now it will take months together. So that's what Ramakrishna is saying. It's so easy to say, but to really bring it in the hand, it takes time. So that's why in spiritual life, after hearing the truth, we shouldn't be impatient. When we find that this truth is not finding expression to my life, we get impatient. And the first thing we do, we start doubting the truth. These are all nonsense. It's not that easy. Just I hear the truth and it starts finding expression through my life. It's immediately reflected, it's manifest. No, it is bound to take its own time. As Holy Mother used to say, very interesting, that you know that when you are uh, winding the thread, so he's saying that she's saying there is a thread uh, of various colors, red, green, yellow, and you are just winding it into a roll. Now, if you have to unwind, they will unwind in the same way that you have rolled them in. So this is the question of purging. So our sanskaras are there, which we have built up for such a long time. It needs to be purged. In the olden days, now the things have changed. In the multi-story buildings, you know, there used to be a huge water tank on the top. In, especially in India, we have seen that they will pump the water to the top and from there it will supply to all the units. Now, after for a few years, the tank gets uh, dirty. It gets full of this draw, so many, this, uh, what is the dust and other impurities have saturated there. And so you find the dirty water is coming. So what's the way? Now, such a huge tank to clean is not easy. To get down and clean, this huge tank is not easy. So uh, the instructions will be given before cleaning. What? You just keep all the taps open. And this few people who are supposed to clean the tank, they will go there. And with a huge stick, they will stir the entire water nicely. So all the dirt which has sedimented, they get mixed up. And as all the taps are open, all the dirty water comes out. Now the tank is clean. It is clean. Now you can get the clean water again. So this is what happens in our spiritual life. When you for the first time have heard the truth, and now you're trying to practice, it is like stirring your own psyche. It starts purging. And you get afraid. You get scared. You think, what's this? I'm totally as if unhinged. These are all nonsense. That's the time we should have patience, the perseverance. We have to hold on to it. It will take time to saturate my mind with this new idea and to purge off all the old ideas. Just take a cup, which is full of turgidity, full of turgid contents. It is full to the brim. And now if I start pouring pure water, what will happen? all the turgid contents will start spilling off. The turgidity will get diluted. The water, the, all the impurities will get diluted. It is becoming more and more pure. A time will come, all the turgid contents has been washed off. The cup is now filled with pure water. So it takes time. So when these thoughts for the first time, I have started thinking, 
cogitating that I became a conviction. Now I have to go on thinking over it again and again, again and again, so that it becomes a sanskara. The old sanskaras are washed away. So it's not easy. And then those sanskaras will decide that new sanskaras, that pure sanskaras, that will find expression spontaneously through our life. So it's a process of transformation which do take time. So that's why 3P, Swamiji is again again indicating that what is required in spiritual life is 3P, purity, patience, perseverance. And the first idea of purity came, that thought, that itself speaks of purity. Each and every moment you are trying, you fail. Again, you go back to your old ways of life. That don't get disheartened. Again, come back. Each and every attempt is strengthening your sanskar. Each and every attempt. It takes time. It's strengthening your samskara. A time will come. All these old habits will be washed off. Now this will become spontaneous. Our, all our spontaneous action is what is in our subconscious mind. That finds expression as a spontaneous action. At present, I have to use my willpower for doing good. A time will come that will get converted into spontaneity when it becomes my samskara. So it's a process, gradual process of transformation. It doesn't happen in a day. So we have to be perseverance. We have to have perseverance. We have to have patience. Just the way the shivalinga is formed, we again and I can give that example. A coarse rock is lying on the riverbed. The water is flowing over it. At any time, moment of time, you look at that rock, no change. It's the same coarse rock, but in hundreds of years. At last, there's the same rock, which has gets with all the angularities has got smoothened out. It becomes it's smooth, the elliptical shivalinga. When the water is flowing over that coarse rock, that rock is like our hard mind with all its sanskaras. It seems as if there is no change in it, but know it for certain that the flow of spiritual thought should go over it. Nothing is visible. It's almost unperceptible, but the change is happening. In time, though unperceptible, the change happens and this same thing will become as worshipable, as Rever as reverent as something to be revered, to be worshipped, like Shivalinga. Your life will be transformed. There will be the touch of the divine in it. And that's the thing. That's why Swami is indicated. It's not easy to say that nothing has the right to act upon it, upon you until you allow it to do so. It will take time. But what is the true sign of the man who really does not allow anything to work upon him, who is neither happy nor unhappy when acted upon by the external world. So that's the sign. As long as you feel that the world is acting upon you, know it for certain that what you feel intellectually convinced is yet to be transformed into realization. You haven't realized. So just before we end, we will just tell two stories to understand that what realization means and how it affects my life. That, that story we again and again say that a small child for the first time was going to see a movie in a theater with his father and the father was explaining that what the movie is, that through the reel, the light will pass and it will be projected on a screen and you will find the screen has got enlivened as if life is being enacted there. Everything becomes lively. But everything is happening on the screen. So by the time the father and the son reach the theater, the movie has already started. They took their seat. Now the son started asking, where is the screen? The father pointed just to the front. The son saw the, that the scenery of the Mahabharata was being enacted there. Krishna is instructing Arjuna, sitting in the chariot. Now seeing Krishna, and the father has pointed in the screen. The seeing Krishna, the son asks, is Krishna the screen? Father says, no, behind him. It's behind him. Oh, then Arjuna, who is sitting behind Krishna, he is the screen. Then in Arjuna is the screen? No. The chariot? No. Then the entire battlefield, which I see in the background, is that the screen? No. And behind the battlefield, you see the sky, the horizon. Is that the screen? The father was really fed up. He couldn't explain what the screen is. And then the interruption came. There was an interruption. Nothing was projected. The screen was visible. 
after the interval the movie started now the sun is sitting quiet now he has known what the screen is so in our life that interruption is the spiritual realization that has to come after that again the movie may go on but nothing is required now to explain you what the screen is now you are convinced what i am seeing is just a mere projection behind that is the screen the atman the self everything is mere projection but unless you have realized it is very difficult to explain the same another funny story will say that unless you realize how it doesn't affect us in any way how it doesn't transform us in any way another person a simple person have heard that it's the movie everything is a projection on the screen went to see the movie and with an idea that you can see the movie best if you see it in the front seat took a very front seat and was watching the movie and there was a scene of a wild elephant chasing it has got mad it is chasing and the man immediately got up from his seat and started running towards the exit others asked him what happened why are you running then he said don't you see that the elephant is chasing and the people explained it is just a projection why are you so scared of it just go and take your seat now this man really thought himself to be wise he immediately responded replied you are the one you are quite intelligent to know that it is a projection i also understand it is a projection but that mad elephant won't understand it is a it's a projection and so he continued and that's what happens with us after hearing a lecture on vedanta we move out with that idea i have understood everything go to my old association and when we find the rebukes coming from there i say that's the mad elephant they don't know that is a projection and we start reacting to it so that's what what once i know what the real projection is there's no question of reaction then you can sit and enjoy so that's the idea that once you have realized then there is no question of either being happy or unhappy nothing can act upon you that's the only sign of realization till that we have to work upon it shravana manana nidhyasana this idea will again come in the next portion we will take up again it in the next class with this we stop our discussion today namaskars thank you all